today on Never Was a Gamer. Are you a karate gi guy, a big boy, a blonde street boxer, or the girl? Either way, I will see you in the elevator. Welcome to Never Was a Gamer, the show where a late-blooming gamer makes up for lost time playing everyone else's formative games. I'm Michelle, and with me as always is the leader of the Mad Gear Gang, Dimitri. Why are those gears so mad? I don't know. They live in this city that's overrun with crime. Why does everything sound like Metal Gear Solid to me now? (laughs) (laughs) Imagine it was the Metal Gear Gang. Guilty Gear Rising, Metal Gear Gang... Mad Gear Gang, everything. Kojima is just every, he touches everything. (laughs) Hi, and thanks so much for joining us. As you can tell, Michelle has completed a bunch of classic beat-em-ups. Oh, yeah. She had a lot of pent-up rage after playing all those games she expected (laughs) to hate, and so needed to get it out of her system in some uh, co-op action. I needed a truly chill playing experience after that, is what I really needed. That is what we were trying to deliver with these. These are... Or can be, I think, the chillest of games. Yeah. That's always why I enjoyed them when I used to play them a lot growing up. And I was hoping that you could have a little bit of, of that experience. I don't know if we succeeded. We'll find out. So I, I know prior to us playing, you mentioned that you had really never played any games in this genre, which is, is kind of surprising. I, I can't believe I didn't try to force you to play one at some point. It does feel like something we would have done on like a Saturday night, right? Yeah. Like they're, they are the perfect kind of, you know... Order a pizza, yeah. order some food, yeah. get a beer or, you know, a pop when I was younger. Be dudes, play a beat em up. <laughs> yeah, just kind of sit on the couch and, and play a beat em up and and really just you know, just kind of hang out and, you know, talk as much as you're as you're paying attention to what's to what's going on the screen. Yeah, we have never done that. And I so I think my only experience playing in this genre was, you know, we've gone to a barcade like two or three times, I'm going to say. And I think usually we would take at least a little spin on the turtles in time machine, but not like rounds and rounds of quarters. Like we're not, we're not getting super far in that. We're sort of like playing for five minutes and then moving on. Yeah. Right. And these are, these are perfect arcade games, but, but really I think what we're getting is the, at least for me, these are social games more than anything. Yeah. Especially cooperatively, right. You're, you're not trying to really, you know, you're not competing against the other person. You're working together. Uh, if you keep it on a relatively lower difficulty, you know, just normal. Yeah. It's not too strenuous. We're trying to have a chill, fun time. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and I mean, that's how that's how I played them growing up. I actually have a long history with the beat-em-ups. Some of my earliest gaming memories are beat-em-ups. Um, as I mentioned before, my first system ever was the, the Sega Master System. Right. That would have got, you know, late 80s. And my first beat-em-up experience is playing Double Dragon with my mom, probably in... I don't know, 80, 88, 89. I think it came out in, in 88 for the Master System. You don't even have brothers yet to play with. No, I just got my mom. Yeah. And and so here's the thing. When I was I was reminiscing about this game, and you know, one thing I, I remembered is that we never beat the game, but we often got to the last boss. Okay. And you know, I was three years three, old. Like useless. My mom was my mom. Yeah. Like not a gamer, <laughs> but did her best. Better than me probably at that age. And I remember us getting to the final boss pretty frequently. And so my memory of us is that, oh, we were really good Uh at Double Dragon. 
And then in the process of like doing a little bit of like digging around and, and research for this episode about Double Dragon for the Master System, I come across this piece of info <laughs> that apparently in Double Dragon on the Master System, you have unlimited continues until the last level. Ah, okay. So it, did it just take you like three hours to get to the final boss? But you're just like, damn, we're doing so good. I right remember. Now. <laughs> I do remember it feeling like a long game, even though I'm sure now you could finish it in 20 minutes. It, I, it, it's like broken this illusion I have. Yeah. Mom, and my mom is these double dragon masters. The foundation of your identity as a gamer for your whole life. I'm not going to tell my mom. It might oh, break no. her heart. No, no. No, she can't incorporate that kind of information <laughs> into her worldview. But actually, we played quite a, quite a few beat em up or beat em up style games on the Master System. Um, Double Dragon was one. Golden Axe was another that we played a lot. Uh, and yeah, it was just like, you know, chill time hanging out with my mom. And then as I got older, it became kind of a chill time, especially hanging out with my cousin. Mm-hmm. I mean, it also, whenever I went to an arcade or a place with arcade cabinets, I, I was often attracted to the beat em ups. Uh, back brights. Well, so back in our <laughs> back in our Street Fighter episode, I mentioned how whenever we'd go to pick up my dad from the airport, they'd have that Street Fighter cabinet. Yep. The other cabinet I remember that they always had was the Final Fight One cabinet, okay. and that was the other one that would always appeal to me because yeah, big beefy sprites. You can't Love you can't turn them down. <laughs> and then once beat 'em up started appearing on on home consoles more, and especially with the Super Nintendo, you got some really good beat 'em ups on the Super Nintendo. The Final Fight series came to the Super Nintendo. Uh, my cousin and I would just play those all the time. Again, perfect. Order some food, sit yeah. down, play through them. You know, play th- r- like rent them from the store, play through them a few times. Yeah, and bring them back. Um, but our big game—it's the one that one of the ones we played for the show—was Final Fight Three because Final Fight One on the Super Nintendo was not co-op. In which case, what's the point? It makes perfect sense to me that you played these a bunch with your cousin, who's like a, a couple years younger than you. Mm-hmm. Because to me, these are like the ideal games to play with a younger, to play with a kid. Because like, because they're co-op, one person, like you can get a long way in these just kind of by like running around mm-hmm. and mashing. And as long as you have one person who's playing decently, you can kind of like my carry the other My cousin was really person. good, actually. Oh, no, I, I believe like, that fully. Like but the like, other games we played were fighting games and we were, he would be very competitive. Sure. But if you were playing them at a time when like you were five and he was three or whatever, like it, you still could like have some amount of fun with that. Sure. Or if I had to sit down with like a four or five year old cousin and hang out for a while, that would be, this would be like a perfect genre to pull up. I just like, there's such good vibes around these. I, this is another moment when I end up feeling a little bit jealous that this isn't something that I like historically have been able to do. Like I fully see how this is so fun. This is again one of those things where it's just like, I didn't have any friends who were playing games when I was growing up. That's it. It's like, oh, this would have been a great thing to do on like, you know, a Friday when you have a friend over after school. Yeah. I mean, there's really almost, I don't know if it's a universal appeal, but there's almost a universal appeal with just the premise of what these are. I mean, it's a genre that's clearly and explicitly inspired by Kung Fu movies. You know, including very similar plots and settings, especially some of the early ones. One of the first beat 'em up games was a game called Kung Fu Master, at least in North America. That's what it was called. Came out in 1984. Explicitly based on a Jackie Chan movie called Wheels on Meals, as okay. well as Bruce Lee's Game of Death. Wheels on Meals. Wheels on Meals. Okay. Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung. Okay. Real good. I've got it if you, you want to watch it Jackie after. Chan. Love Jackie Chan. <laughs> okay. And there was later on a Jackie Chan beat 'em up. There's actually two. There was 
one on the PlayStation, at least one a Jackie Chan Adventures one on the Game Boy Advance that we had. I bet this is the only case in recorded history where the video game version of the character can actually do less physical <laughs> tricks than the human real the inspiration. Is, in both of those, if I remember, they're both single player and you need a multiplayer Jackie Chan beat him up. Bring back somebody licensed just Sam be all Hung, Jackie Chan or be two Jackie Chan. Every just Jackie versus Jackie. Different Jackie Chans from different movies. If somebody came out with a Jackie Chan <laughs> multiplayer beat him up, I would pay a full like seventy dollars. They wouldn't game. play different enough though. You'd have to have him versus like some other some that you wouldn't want them to play different enough because then you just argue over who gets to be Jackie. <laughs> This is You're why, right. you know, fighting games needed to incorporate kind of the, the mirror mode so people so people could play the same character. Uh. They're just always fighting over the best character, which we will get to. <laughs> Dimitri got big mad at one point in this. <laughs> so before we get into the beat-em-ups we played for today, Michelle decided to approach this episode and her evaluation in a similar way we did with the Street Fighter versus Mortal Kombat episode. Yes. Where she came up with some criteria that she was going to use to try to evaluate these games. Correct. So do you, do you want to run us through what you thought your criteria, what the criteria was going to be? Sure. So I learned some things from the Mortal Kombat Street Fighter episode that we did, uh, but it turns out not enough. So, okay, here are my, I, I decided to create five categories that initially I was going to rank everything out of five in each. So my first category was curb appeal. And this is like, when I look at the box or I imagine looking at the arcade cabinet at first blush and reaction, do I want to play this? Does it entice me? I feel like these games should have an immediacy to them that draws you in, you know, and sort of beckons you from walking through the arcade, right? I think that's a great criterion. I mean, that's definitely what drew me to them. I mean, we can talk about some of these arcade cabinets even as we go through. Yeah. So that was my first one. My second one was... uh immediacy and how the controls work generally. So my my thesis going into this was that I should be able to get the basics down really quick. Like I should be able to get to a point where I can kind of like bumble my way through this game not too bad relatively quickly. I don't want a huge learning curve on these. Mm -hmm. um, and then my third was variety because, you know, I sort of uh, came with a preconception that the, the fighting itself was probably going to be a little bit like simplified or streamlined a little bit because you just have tons and tons of guys coming at you. I wanted to make sure that we were still getting variety in both the kinds of dudes that you're fighting and also where you're doing it. So I want to feel like I'm not doing the same thing over and over, even though I kind of am in a lot <laughs> of cases. My fourth factor was pacing. I was sort of thinking about how Again, when you like only have so much screen space, a lot of it is taken up by your characters and you're sort of using a slightly limited move set on just like wave after wave and round after round of just guys, you know? Um, how do you keep that from getting from feeling really slow or overly drawn out? So this was a measure of how how much we stay engaged and, you know, how much the pacing works. And then last, my favorite category from Mortal Kombat versus Street Fighter the X Factor. Nonsense. You got it. Are you telling me that you still don't understand what the X Factor is? It's the, how can I give the it's game the I want to win the most points? It's the gut check. It's, it's the thing that incorporates, you know, all the things we couldn't have predicted about it. You know, games giving you the thing you didn't know you wanted at the start. Um, the X Factor is crucial. Uh, and I think if we're being honest, any game critic would say so. Um, 
So that's what I thought I was looking for. That's what I went in, you know, thinking I was going to evaluate all these games okay. on. Okay, curb appeal, controls, variety, pacing, X factor. Yep. Okay, and I take it those criteria did not really bear out for you. Well, some of them I think were were right. I think you know I stand by curb appeal. I stand by. I think variety and pacing should probably have been one thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's getting at the same idea twice. Um, but I I don't know. I think like so. I think I I have I now understand better what I want from these games, and I think it's not necessarily exactly the same thing as what makes one of these great. So okay. I th- I think one thing I want to do is pull those two ideas apart. Okay, that's that's interesting. And I think maybe then over the course of this episode, we can try to come to some definition of the end of for us, what makes a good beat-em-up. Totally. Uh, because so many of these games, as you mentioned, they kind of blur into each other. Uh, it's not really something I ever thought about growing up, you know, why there, you know, there were some I liked more than others, but I never really put much thought into what is it that right. differentiates this beat-em-up from that beat-em-up. Right. Uh, and yeah, so maybe at the end we can come up with at least a set of criteria that uh, that feels uh, go into a good beat em up. Yeah, one of the one of the things that I've been thinking about coming into this because I I do agree from my perspective there there is a bit of this that sort of blurs together. But I tried to think about these games in terms of if I were someone who beat em ups were my favorite genre. So I'm not just picking up one of these every once in a while. Um, if I play, you know, most of the beat em ups that get released, how am I approaching them and what am I looking for and what differentiates them for me at that point? And those are very different criteria than I, speaking as myself, you know, bring to this and want out of, of beat em up. So that's sort of, these are sort of the two poles that I have in my head. And I think just to cut to the chase, I, this is not something that I think you could easily rate out of five, but I think about it more like, where is a particular game located on this sort of spectrum that has two poles? And I think one pole is what I have in my own head labeled beer and mash. Can I have two to four beers and sort of mash my way through this <laughs> while half paying attention and shooting the shit with my friend on the couch? That's that's that one pole. And the other pole is basically a fighting game. <laughs> okay. It's like, how much, how deep is the combat? Is there this intense variety? Is there like this richness of challenge? Like, how, would I want to play this by myself, <laughs> kind of? And I think it's it's helpful for me to think about, rather than rating one as good or bad, you know, where the different games sitting along this spectrum at different points. Okay, that, that's kind of interesting, because that's kind of, you know, early 90s, if you're somebody going into an arcade, that kind of uh, is your spectrum of most of your choices where I, I think we talked about this on the fighting game episode, right? Before the fighting game explosion, beat-em-ups were maybe the primary, most popular arcade genre. Mm. Final Fight was supposed to be a sequel to Street Fighter initially, but then Double Dragon became so popular that it decided to change it, change its genre and make it a beat-em-up. Hmm. And then, of course, when the actual sequel to Street Fighter comes out, when Street Fighter 2 comes out, that almost replaces the beat em up as the the genre of choice. Okay. So there, so there there is really this integrated history. And I mean, the beat em up in some ways, right, is okay, what if I take any character that's in a fighting game and instead of putting up him up against equals, I just put him up against a bunch of scrubs. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Allow you to play out that fantasy and then kind of on the flip side, it's you know, what if we had, you know, two of these protagonists have to from a beat em up have to face off? Right. And and that's your and that's your fighting game. Right. So yeah. So the, uh, as as genres, they're very much kind of go hand in hand. And 
that's that's what I remember, especially from the arcade arcades that I went to as a kid. Those were at least the genres that I was most drawn to, for cool. sure. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, so let's take a break here. and we come back, we'll actually talk about the, the four beat-em-ups we played. Perfect. We'll be right back. back and so let's go through the four games we played i think the best way to approach them might be chronologically so we can get a sense of you know how how the genre evolves and how it kind of responds to itself over time just to get it kind of out of the way we did dabble a bit with final fight one mm-hmm. mostly because i wanted to introduce you to you know the final fight lore i'm glad we did i want you to see those big beefy sprites from the late 80s right Especially like the- hagar yeah right hell That's yeah a- I I truly just need to take a moment to talk about Hagar because I love this man. I this okay. Mayor this, Mike Hagar. Mayor Mike Hagar. Just listener, please Google what this guy looks like. Like just do it. Don't think, just do it. So this this stupid game starts with this city that's been overtaken by the Mad Gear Gang, which is an excellent stupid gang name, and. They're calling and threatening the mayor and it like pans over to the mayor and he is the biggest slab of meat of a human you have ever seen. Like picture like Hulk buttons like about to pop off his shirt, like like Terry Crews in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Former wrestler, like modeled after Jesse Ventura, who, you know, went on to become the governor of Minnesota. Yeah, he, he just is like, it's, he's like a huge ape in a in a suit with a bow tie and on. a ponytail and a ponytail and they've kidnapped his daughter and they're whatever and he's just is like oh i'll get you back jessica and like has to go out there and settle the score himself with the mad gear gang like he just is like brenda put my calls on hold i have to stop being the mayor and go be a street fighter <laughs> for the next little while and like he the Oh my god, you see the the guy who's the leader of the Mad Gear Gang who's threatening him and he's like this green ogre thing and he like I it's just the most insane thing that I've ever seen. It is so fun. Hagar is so big. He can throw anyone. He can throw bosses. He's big enough to like actually like it makes a difference how big he is. He's so huge. He's just like Oh my god. I absolutely love being a big boy. And this is like a great big boy. Okay, okay. I'm glad you got that ode to Hagar off your chest. We'll, we'll get back to him and, and talk about how he plays uh, later. Um, but again, right, this is a game from 1989. Like, imagine seeing that big BV sprite in 1989. It still kind of blows my mind. Like, you just want to play that game. You just want to be yep. him. No offense to the other playable characters, but you just want to be Hagar. Some offense. He's just <laughs> the obvious choice. Right. So I, I wanted you to see, you know, Hagar's debut. Yep. But I thought it was also really important to play Final Fight 1 because it introduces a lot of the staples of the genre. I don't know necessarily if it, you know, invented all of these things, but, you know, it, it features so many of them that I think it's a really good, you know, starting point so that you can think about the other games that came after through the lens of, of Final Fight. Okay. You know, for example, you have, I mean, just 
stupid things like the the trope of big you know roast beefs or big turkeys <laughs> that as, replenish as the your health, health thing? yeah which is awesome yeah <laughs> you know you have a series of moves but also streets filled of weapons that you can use yeah, we- just weapons lying that you're supposed everywhere. <laughs> which again this is something that I, I love i remember this from playing double dragon with my mom there's this character in double dragon linda she had a whip you always wanted the whip the whip was the best weapon in the game oh and that's like a weapon carried by a baddie that once you damage them you can grab you can it take right their yeah, weapon. yeah 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 right I, that's even one better than it lying on the ground it's not oh, like right. i just yeah. found this it's like you had this i got you and now i've got you. yeah and i think you know final fight does a great job with that as well yeah. you know bringing in baddies with weapons that you want to claim and then you know use their steel pipe against them it i think it actually innovated the idea, you know, that you have, you know, you have your regular moves, but then you also have a super move, right? A special that is much more powerful, often used to clear crowds. You know, in this case, Hagger's special move is that he does that huge, you know, arms askew spin. Like tornado thing, yeah. Yeah, like a Zangief style move. Yeah. But to use that move, you have to sacrifice a little bit of your health, which I think is, you know, it actually gives a layer of strategy to these games that they might not otherwise have. And, and it not, stops you from being too overpowered, right? Because you you don't want to just be able to mash that that super move course, over right. and over again, yeah. Right, but you still want an out when you get overwhelmed by by enemies. Uh, so you you know you want to think strategically when is the right time to use it because it takes a it takes a, a sizable chunk of your mm-hmm. health. And then again, when you're against um, bosses, and you know you know the level ends when when the boss dies. So you know, do you want to expend this energy to kill the boss faster, or do you not want to risk it? To conserve, I th- yeah. You know, it's. There's not a ton of strategy to these games, but but that I think that's a great idea that this game came up with. Again, other other staples, elevator sequences. <laughs> I told Michelle going in, just get ready for a lot of elevators. Yeah, you I were right. I don't think you realize that that is every game had at least one, often multiple elevator sequences. <laughs> it's such a it's such a weird thing because it's just like an enclosed i guess that's just the the shtick because it's just an enclosed space where they come to you instead of you going to them that's it it's it's kind of an extra enclosed space yeah which especially on the ones that have friendly fire it oh not all beat-em-ups allow you to turn off the friendly fire so you know you can accidentally hit your your co-op partner more likely you accidentally throw an enemy into your co-op partner yep which it's kind of cool but it gets annoying real fast yeah 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 like, and, you know, and that might add another layer of strategy to these games, but not necessarily one that we wanted to engage with. I think that was the that was the thing. Absolutely. I mean, I can definitely see, you know, people playing these games really seriously co-op and, you know, almost like mentally dividing the screen that one person, right. you know, is in control of the left and the other person's in control of the right. And they're doing crowd control and, you know, and, and they're really coordinated so that they're not accidentally hitting each other. I, that's just not that fun. I bet this is stuff that, again, to go back to my spectrum, this is the basically a fighting game side of the spectrum, where mm-hmm. I bet if you're someone who is really serious about beat-em-ups and this genre is your thing, I bet you really like the challenge and the addition of having the friendly fire sort of enabled. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, the closer we get to the to the beer and mash kind of person, the the less enjoyable that is over over. 20 minutes or whatever. You know, and just getting back to the elevator sequences, you know, I think one of the reasons they're in these games is because you actually have to deal with the swarm because another strategy in these games and a part that I love about a lot of these games is that you can often use off-screen space to your advantage. Oh, yeah. You know, so you can throw an enemy off screen 
And you know, it takes them a while to actually get back to you. The best thing is when you throw them off screen and then you just go and mash punch yeah. like, off screen and then you <laughs> yeah. just like, you can see you're, you're kind of hitting them. You can hear the it's, hit noise. Yeah. It's, it's one of the pleasures of the beat em up. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, final fight as well. The first one, another essential element is that hit noise. You need a satisfying hit noise. You need a crunchy a crunch. Yeah. Sound in like, yeah, the sound effects in these game are, are, are really important. And, you know, so I think Final Fight 1 kind of brings all of these things together. You kind of see where, not where the genre started, but maybe where it started to to kind of reach its greatest form. Got it. The form of Mike Hager. <laughs> In the body of one man. <laughs> <laughs> For our bigger discussion, we're going to bracket Final Fight 1 and talk instead about Final Fight 3 at the end, mostly because that's the one that I played the most. And that's one of the beat-em-ups that's really comes out at the tail end of the genre. Okay. Um, of the genre's kind of boom period. Okay. And, and I think it's useful to, to kind of frame it that way. So we'll get to Final Fight at the end. But let's start now with the earliest of our, of our games that we played. One that appealed to me every time I saw it in the arcades as well. Came out much earlier than I had thought. I think w- I remember it as being kind of a much later game because I think when I saw it, I always thought... This game looks exactly like the cartoon, <laughs> which is ludicrous now. But then uh, it was just one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen. And that's the Simpsons game yeah. uh, from 1991. I mean, in defense of Young Yu, it doesn't look completely unlike season one of The Simpsons. Like the very early animation mm-hmm. phase of, of Simpsons is quite different than where it lands by even like season two or season three. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely see... Like they did a good job of like bringing this show into the game. Um, I agree, super appealing, honestly. Curb appeal through the roof. Uh, I completely understand being enticed by this. Yeah, like I mean, just imagine seeing that cabinet uh, and a pretty big cabinet, a room with for four joysticks. So there could be four players, each playing a different character. Right, you have Homer, you have Marge, you have um, Bart, and you have Lisa. You can have four people at the arcade, each controlling one of them. It's yeah, it's for me as a kid, it was just like a cartoon come to life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this game is really, really fun. It's it's like extremely colorful. It's got incredible variety of levels. The the combat feels um a little simplified or or limited, even compared to later beat-em-ups. So this is the thing I think that surprised me the most. I think I came away from this game the most disappointed versus what I remembered you know Mm -hmm. my memories of it because i think you're right i I still thought it was beautiful there was yeah great great level variety the animation was still really nice yeah yeah but the actual moment-to-moment gameplay was disappointing yeah this is the furthest on the beer and mash side of our our spectrum yeah your options are sparse although interestingly it's so it's actually not all the way on the beer and mash side because like it still is hard. Like this thing is the most shameless grab for quarters I have ever seen. Like Yeah, well and that's the thing about we we played the arcade version of this, which means that you die real fast. Oh my god, so fast. And they have a great lizard brain appealing <laughs> technique to make you even want to put your quarters in. Yep. Whenever you put in a quarter, it plays the Simpsons jingle. It's very satisfying. Yeah, it is. Especially when you're not actually putting quarters in and you're just like mashing start. (laughs) And I remember, I remember that sound from the arcade. Like it was very nostalgic hearing that sound. Yeah. 
Because you'd hear it like you'd hear that sound if you're in the arcade, and then you'd know, oh, the Simpsons cabinet is near. Right. And, and you'd being go, and you'd, yeah, you know, yeah. and you'd see people playing it. And then, yeah, just it makes it <laughs> feel good to put a quarter in the machine, which is terrible. They got you early pachinko shit. But yeah, I was I was mostly impressed by by the variety of levels, the way that the spaces were. I mean, the spaces were quite large and often yep. there were kind of multi-planes that you could be on. So somebody could take kind of a top route. Somebody could take you yeah. know, a, a, a bottom route and work through in that way. So that was good. Again, it's just nice to see kind of recognizable locations from the show. Yeah, you go to most Tavern. most Tavern, which is huge. Enormous. Because <laughs> so you have big. to play a full level and you're just side-scrolling through most Tavern. So imagine how big that Tavern was. Like a bowling alley. <laughs> it's bigger than a, it's, it was as, most Tavern is as big as Krusty Land. Yeah. Listen. It doesn't make any sense. Well, all right. Right to the writers. It is uh, like one. There's there is some funny stuff about how it intersects with like Simpsons ness, um, including that, like who they choose to be villains and what and what like the enemies on screen do is really (laughs) funny to me because like, you know, Simpsons doesn't really have villains like that. Right. That's not sort of what the show. Right. Except for arguably Mr. Mr. Burns, Burns. who is the villain of, of this. Um. Because he kidnaps Maggie because Maggie accidentally, you know, mistakes a diamond for a pacifier. Listen. And instead of just taking it from her who mouth, among us he just takes the baby. Steal the whole baby. <laughs> um, and so you get this like comically evil sort of supervillain henchman Smithers. You get just like odd, weird characters that aren't like inherently good or evil being sort of enemies on the way through. Um, and it's just really funny what they sort of end up drawing on to to fill out that that roster but yeah the all the levels are super fun there's even like a surreal dream sequence where you're sort of like on a cloud and there's the moon like it it's i i truly truly had a very fun time playing this game yeah it's a game that propels you not because of the gameplay but because you just want to see what's going to happen next because again it's very it's very sparse i mean each character comes with their own weapon yeah marge has a vacuum homer has his bowling ball Lisa has a skipping rope. Bart has a skateboard. Uh, you can team up for co-op moves, tandem moves. If you just kind of stand beside each other for a long enough time, it'll trigger an animation or you do a tandem move. But apart from that, it's pretty much uh, jump and punch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the essentials. Um, but not, but, you know, we don't have um, kind of combo systems yet at this point. Yeah. Uh, we don't have special moves at this point. I mean, not. I don't mean at this point. I mean, in, I mean, in this game, because um, Final Fight that came out before this had kind of had those things. Yeah, I mean, there's something about the simplicity of this that sort of fits the Simpsons aesthetic. Um, I also am just like kind of. I forget what year Simpsons started, but is this not super fast and early for them to have like a pretty well developed <laughs> arcade game out? I mean, the the Simpsons was quite popular, quite fast. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, taking advantage of of the popularity. It, that's the other thing about beat-em-ups, actually, is that it's the perfect genre for licensed games. Uh, yeah. You see so many. I mean, we played two of them. Um, but, you know, you see so many licensed beat-em-ups at this time. Uh, this is this is like the genre for superhero games. Right, right, right. Um, you know, up through the 16-bit era where X-Men have, which is, you know, an obvious choice because you get the selection of X-Men. All the characters, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Spider-Man, Batman have 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 beat them ups uh i mean i guess going back to even that x-men comment the one thing about the simpsons is that you know apart from the height difference there's you don't really feel a huge difference when you're between the characters in this game they do kind of all 
play more or less the same. Again, it's one attack and a jump. So like... Yeah. And so, yeah, animation's great, still worth a play, but ultimately I found this as a, as a game quite quite disappointing. Yeah, fair enough. Um, moving on to our next game, which is a game from 1992. We've already uh, alluded to it. Another licensed game. This is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4, Turtles in Time. Specifically, we played the Super Nintendo version. We, as we mentioned, we, we you know, tinkered around with the arcade version previously at a barcade. We didn't get incredibly far. Yeah. The the games are similar, but there there are enough differences. But we did the we did the Super Nintendo version, and I immediately learned something about Michelle <laughs> when we turned on this game. Listener, he got so mad. <laughs> Michelle doesn't know anything about Ninja Turtles. She didn't know. I can name them now. You can. No, I always could. I just couldn't connect which name is which color guy. Oh, or which is which personality, or which color is which personality. Do you know what I mean? I could name the colors. I could name the personalities. I could name the names, but not connecting the dots between any of those. Yeah. Michelle didn't know anything about the turtles, uh, but that didn't stop her from picking Leonardo, who is my character. (laughs) The wildest thing about this is you trying to get me to guess which personality is which color, implying that there was some intrinsic relationship between their personalities and the colors of their their bands, which is blue just is the ludicrous. color of leadership. You know, the blue Power Ranger is the is the techie tinkering one. These aren't Power Rangers; these are Ninja. I'm Turtles. just saying, it's not that simple. So yeah, Michelle picked Leonardo. I picked Donatello. Which one's that? The purple one kidding. with the staff. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Because in this game, your choice of character actually does matter. Yeah. The the weapons are quite different. Um, Donatello's staff has some really great reach, mm-hmm. which I love. I mean, I think my favorite turtle probably is Raphael because he's the rude one. Okay. He's the cool but rude. Okay. I uh, just want to point out cool but rude, not the blue one. No, the blue one. Just the while we're talking about just, just. <laughs> Just so you can see what I'm dealing with here. Uh, but he has these he has these sides that don't have don't have a lot of reach. I think he's pretty fast. But, Those are the um, two tridents? Yeah. The two little stabby. Yeah, like okay. Molina. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But but yeah, for this game, for beat 'em ups, you want you want the reach. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I picked Donatello. Michelle picked Leonardo. And what'd you think of Turtles in Time? This was maybe the most fun to play of any of the ones that that we had. This for me. I think something about this genre really works with a sort of cartoony aesthetic. Like mm-hmm. I think I I think in general I probably lean a little bit more towards like the Simpsons and the and the Ninja Turtles versus the sort of more realistic like you know, a pulpy but also trying to kind of be gritty ones that that we mm-hmm. played. Um I think it really works. I think I I love so much of the art in this. The music is really fun. The, the settings that you go through all through time and through the city are really fun. Seeing, you know, bad guys that are at least a little bit familiar to me is is really fun. Um, right, like, and this feels so much better to fight in. Th- yeah, this this game, it feels, I think, much longer than it actually is because it brings you on a pretty uh, intense narrative arc. A couple thousand years. Yeah, I mean, you start off and you go through your, your typical beat-em-up levels. You start, you know, at late night in the city kind of this industrial setting. Um, and again, if you're if you're a Ninja Turtles fan, especially right me as a kid seeing 
these characters come to life and these villains come to life. It, w- it, it was inc- it was incredible mm-hmm. seeing this in the arcade. And, you know, you get through the first level, you fight Baxter Stockman. And then you go through, you know, you, you continue. You know, you have a few other levels. Then you end up in the Technodrome. Yep. And then, you know, you think you, you think that this might be, you know, if you're somebody playing it, uh, an arcade game, you think, okay, maybe this could be the last level. Yeah. But it's not because Shredder sends you back in time and it's awesome. Um, and then, you you know, there's like five or six levels after that uh, as you kind of work your way back through time, back to the to te- through the Technodrome to fight Super Shredder at the end. That whole sequence is so fun. And, yeah. And uh, you see Bebop and Rocksteady along the way. Uh, you see you fight Krang, his big gross, gross. body. <laughs> Again, like like the Simpsons, one like the appeal of this, you know, arcade version at home is that you just want to see what's gonna what's gonna come next. Yeah. And as Michelle mentioned, uh, definitely more variety in terms of the gameplay than in the Simpsons. Um, you can do a lot more. You can you have grabs. You can throw enemies in this game, which is actually really cool. It was a moment that actually surprised you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You um, not only can you grab and throw enemies, you can actually throw them like into the camera. There's not a camera there, but like into the screen, like sort of breaking that fourth wall, which like, man, that's so fun. <laughs> I just picture that happening like in an arcade for the first time seeing that um, and and kind of freaking out. And that's actually integrated into gameplay, which I think is really cool. So the boss fight against Shredder in the Technodrome is, it's still, I think, really incredible and yeah. impressive. So Shredder is in kind of this, you know, laser cannon. But he's in the very foreground, so you just see his back kind of facing into the screen, and he's then like you're, the frame, yeah, yeah, and and you know you're still fighting uh, these foot these foot soldiers um, while he's firing at you. And what you have to do is you have to grab the foot soldiers, then fling them towards the camera, which is the position that Shredder is in, you know, to to break his machine. Yeah, um, it's awesome. And then he sends you into the past. It's I think this is actually my favorite boss fight in any of the beat 'em ups mm-hmm. that we played. Um, it just is so distinctive and so memorable. And it's a, it surprised me so much that that was something you actually have to have to do. Like you have to figure out how to how to do that. One of the things I really love about beat 'em ups is how, um, you know, like the de- the different enemies have collision with each other. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you can throw enemies, you can throw them into other enemies, create pile ups. Right. It's, it's really fun. And in this case, the boss fight actually forces you to kind of use that interaction by flinging them into the screen to break the boss. I think it's it's a really great kind of um, use of that idea, taking it to the next level. Yeah. Another thing that I really appreciate about this game, which is related to that, I think, is this game has a great collection of like little flourishes. Like they're just little extra, extra things, little extra notes that, you know, the, the game would be fine without, but it just happens to have. And a lot of them are really dumb. And I really like that. <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite ones, this is so stupid. There's these manholes, right, that are often open. And so you can fall into them and fall like into the sewer. And your guy just goes off screen for a second. Um, but in some places, if if you fall in, There'll be like a little speech bubble that comes up above your head that's you going, this cave is creepy. And then you jump back out like that's the game didn't need to do that. (laughs) I think that's really stupid and really fun. And I really like it. It's just like that little expression of of like personality and flourish. And like, I assume connection to the characters. Like, I don't know. It just makes everything feel 
so much more alive and so much more than just a a sprite, you know, doing punches at another sprite. Yeah, I agree. It's a game that feels like a cartoon. Yeah. And the Simpsons did that a lot. Uh, yeah. Did that a yeah. lot as well. Those Both of those games, they did a great job with the licenses uh, and really made you feel like you're living inside a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Like you say, personality all over these things. Yeah. I think probably something like personality or flourishes should have been one of my categories. You know, if I was redoing them now, mm-hmm. I think, how do you how do you bring that little something extra on the way while we're doing this combat? Because all of these games try to do that in their own different ways. Um, but yeah, I think it, I just, these are so nice. They're just yeah. so nice. And and I mean, along those lines, it's something else I really like and appreciate about beat-em-ups. The environmental hazards are the ways that you can otherwise interact with the environment. Yep. So this one, I remember there's a level uh, early on with fire hydrants. And I remember you th- saying, oh, it would be so cool if I could go and hit that fire hydrant and make it, yeah. you know, spray Blast water. Down. And yeah. you can do that. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. These games also have, you know, a bunch of environmental hazards, you know, on the on the first on the first level there's these kind of there's these huge wrecking balls that can that can yeah. drop on you. Okay, here's the thing though. Here's a rule of beat 'em ups. If you can get hit by an environmental yep. hazard, they have to be able to affect your enemies as well. I was waiting for you to pause so I could get in this. Turtles in Time has very inconsistent weather <laughs> environmental hazards. Well, so yeah, it, that street that uh, fire hydrant thing works on enemies, but a bunch of stuff doesn't. They don't fall in manholes. There's this one section where there's a big face thing that shoots lasers That's from its eyes. Krang's body. Okay, Krang's body. <laughs> Which uh, is awesome. That's also in that first level. Yeah. Where the, Yeah, it just it appears in the background, this huge hulking body, and it shoots lasers from its eyes. But yeah, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, they can't hit bad guys. Yeah. What the, the hell? Bad guys just walk through them unscathed. Like, imagine if you could throw bad guys into that, and they get, like, hit by that electricity. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love... The environmental hazards, but they have to apply to the bad guys as yep. well. That That's what brings the world to life. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I think I kind of like it when the bad guys are stupid enough that they they fall into them. Yes. But, you know, ideally a, an AI that is trying to, <laughs> you know, trying to resist them as well. This game is just so fun to play. If you want to play this again this weekend, I will happily drink a beer and play this with you again. Yeah, I think this is going to be like a barcade staple. Like if, if you're ever at, a, at an arcade or a barcade and there's turtles in time, you, you owe it some quarters. You won't be sorry. Okay, those are fun, but now now we get into the real meat and potatoes. Okay. Now we get into classic rivals. The okay. Mario and Sonic of the beat 'em up. If Final Fight was the Mario, you have Streets of Rage, the Sonic of beat 'em ups. Whereas Nintendo had exclusive rights to the Final Fight series, Sega comes out with their cool competitor, Streets of Rage. Okay. I mean, in this in this pairing I end up apparently falling on the same side as I normally do in that division in that I I was much more, much more, much more drawn to the the final fight game than Streets of Rage 2. Okay, but let's let's start with let's start with Streets of Rage. So we played Streets of Rage 2 that came out in 1992. Mm-hmm. 
Streets of Rage 1, I think, is also a good beat-em-up, but this is the game that really kind of perfects the the Streets of Rage formula. Uh, there's much more kind of move variety, character variety, whereas Streets of Rage 1 had this, it did have kind of one of those Final Fight special moves, but it was kind of this bizarre thing where it was like a tandem special move. Everyone had the same one, and you'd basically call in a cop car that would shoot a rocket, oh. and it would blow up all the enemies on the screen. Whereas this one went more of the, you know, the final fight direction, the direction that even Turtles in Time went, where each character has a special move that is u- that is unique to them. That's so much more fun. The the rocket cop car is pretty fun. Is, it was it was It sounds bad. It was guaranteed to clear every enemy off the screen, so it was incredibly incredibly powerful. Like sure. it, it kind of it took away the layer of strategy in terms of thinking about how you want to incorporate your special moves in the battle, but when you're in a pinch, it was it was amazing. Devastating. <laughs> yeah, and you really wanted to save them for the for the right moments. Uh, but yeah, you I don't think had a ton of fun with Streets of Rage two, and and I guess I'm wondering why because this this might help us start working towards why some beat 'em ups work better for you than others. Yeah, I mean, I still basically had a good time playing it. It's just you know in the in the company that we've got here, it's the one I would be probably least likely to pick up again. So so this is interesting because for a lot of people, this is the greatest beat 'em up of all time. That's because I'm not a beat 'em up person. I'm a <laughs> I'm a beer and mash person. <laughs> And this is where that really starts to show itself, I think. I think, like, this is a case where I could tell there was a little more depth in the combat system, but I never quite got to a point where I could consistently execute the things that I wanted to execute. You were giving me shit at one point for not doing enough throws in, the, in this You got to use the throws. Well, <laughs> sure, I would have loved to is the thing. I also, I agree. The other thing about Streets of Rage 2 that is different from the other ones, it, it does have a combo system i mean combo system i mean you can chain moves together in a yeah. way that feels really good and and it's a game that is really about building up a, a rhythm of your combat where if you get the rhythm right the bad guys almost don't have an opening to hit you you can almost stun lock them with a with a rhythm right um and you, yeah chaining moves together throwing enemies into each other really great and, and you know aesthetically this game is this game is pretty good oh i i actually think this has maybe the best art and music of any of them that we that we played yeah the music um, in this game is you know is is renowned this is, this has a a top tier yeah it's really excellent i also it has a slightly more neon like urban aesthetic than mm-hmm. than the other ones which i just loved um at one point you're fighting out outside the front gates of like disneyland like i don't know it's just it's really creative everything looks special. Um, and I really responded to that element of it. But, you know, the friendly fire thing is definitely in play in this game. <laughs> like, you and I struggled a bit with the friendly fire factor. Yeah, there are a lot of close quarters. There are some areas that are nice and expansive, and you can kind of, you know, break up the screen. Yeah. But there are a lot of close quarters. There was a lot of getting in each other's way. Well, especially because throwing is such a big, fun part of the combat in this game. That means, like, there's just not that much screen to throw bad guys across. So there's a lot of hitting each other with debris, projectiles, a long pipe that you pick up off the ground. Mm-hmm. You, you know? love the pipe. Okay, so this is maybe the the biggest thing I can say to explain why Streets of Rage 2 was not my favorite. Um, I played this game overwhelmingly as Blaze because she was the girl. Um, and my favorite combat in this game was just whacking guys with that pipe. 
Mm. There's just a long pipe on the ground. And like, you know, she's got all these acrobatics and these throws and everything. And like they, you know, it, they are satisfying to play. But every time I got the pipe, I was just like, yes, yes, I'm going to whack guys with it. <laughs> I went around and did that. This makes sense for what you said earlier. Like, I, I get why you didn't like it as much because this, especially compared to Simpsons and Turtles in Time, is where you can see them starting to incorporate ideas from fighting games. Right. You aren't doing complex button inputs with any of these characters, but each character has, you know, a unique set of moves, a unique set of combos that at least kind of you need to kind of position the enemies in a different way. And then they actually do have special moves that you have to put simple kind of simple button presses. You know, it's it's not it's not a fighting game. Yeah. But it's still, you know, it's still more than just hit A, B, or C. It's precision and attention and timing and minding the space between you and the enemies. It's all of that stuff. Yeah, and the enemies themselves, to to be honest, with this game, the enemies really annoyed me at at, at moments. And oh, I think, they're obnoxious. Yeah, these of the games we played, I think, has the most difficult set of enemies, which I think for some people that is a, a positive about this game. You know, you've got the the signal brand enemies yeah. who uh, who use really annoying slides yeah. kind of sliding across <laughs> the screen. You've got big boys who shoot fire as they run, like breathe fire out of their mouths as they run across the screen. Now those I love and respect. They're annoying though. They are annoying. Uh, you know, yeah, you've just like the enemies I think are, are more difficult, especially when they swarm you. Yeah. The enemies themselves have a larger variety of moves that you have to be on the lookout for. And uh, they do get in the way of your just uh, sit back and chill. If we that's talked less during, <laughs> during We talked one. less, ended up accidentally hitting each other more. Yep. Yep. It all, it all plays together. I do respect the range of fighter choices in this game. Um, you have Max Thunder, who's a huge... Re- He's like a lesser Mike Hager. Um you have Axel, who's your your like street fighter. Jeans and white shirt. Jeans and white shirt. I don't like when guys, I just don't like when jeans are, it's just so boring. Um, He's pretty good though. He's got the grand upper as his kind of special uppercut move. That's He has a good uppercut. That's really fun to just to spam across the screen. That, that move's real fun. Yeah. Um, you have Skate, who's- uh, Sucks. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Nobody and, wants to play a child in these games. Well, so this is the thing is like- on the one hand, I respect the range of fighter choices, but they are not all equally appealing. Get him out of my game. Get out of here, skate. <laughs> okay. Um, and then you got Blaze, who's just like the the acrobatic girl. So I don't know. I mean, I, I I respect that. I do think that I love playing a big boy, but Max Thunder feels too slow. I think he's like too encumbered uh, mm-hmm. by size uh, to be really usable, but uh, they tried. Yeah, just to get back to the to the enemies, I'm just trying to remember all the enemies oh in this game God. now. This is a game where I dreaded seeing most enemy types. <laughs> That's so grim. Because uh, like you got guys on motorcycles coming in. Oh yeah, and that would go across screen. And you kind of have to like jump and you know jump kick them, but which is really annoying because you can't always see where you are on the plane. The depth is rough. Yeah. And, um, right, like I said, the slide guys, but especially jetpack guys and. The worst enemy, the worst boss in any of these games, yeah, Jet. Jet, the jetpack guy. He is the worst. I don't know if I successfully hit him more than like three times in it's, the entire. Game. Again, it's dealing with the depth. It's dealing with the multiple planes, and he's he's flying around, and it's hard to see if you're on the same plane as him. And 
it's just incredibly aggravating. The thing is, Turtles in Time, the first boss, is also flying boss, Baxter Stockman. But he seems much, for some reason, he was much easier to hit. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, he when he swooped down, he gave you more of an opening to actually to actually hit him. Whereas Jet, you kind of have to catch him on his swoops down. Yeah. And, it, you know, if, you, if you're not on the right plane, even if you think you are, you, even if you're you know, trying to line up the shadows. You can miss so it, easily. It's like everything, you know, you don't like about 3D games, but somehow in this game when you're trying to fight this Jet, it's, yeah. it's super annoying. And then after you've defeated him, he just becomes a regular mundane enemy. He shows up a lot. I mean, this is kind of the, I think this is kind of the, the Streets of Rage flow where they introduce an enemy, he seems kind of special, and then that enemy just becomes incorporated into the flow of enemies. And so you see enemies who are like bosses once who just be... I know I said I've liked this before. Remember I always like... Not oh, here, though. No, not here. Not, here when you have a, not when you have a jetpack. Yeah. Get out of here, Jet. Go hang out with Skate. Yeah. Jetpack yourselves into the ocean. <laughs> Great music, though. So good. Do You know, I think it it feels like blasphemous to say this because of how highly regarded this game is. In the, you know, beat em up pantheon. But this is the one I had the least fun with. Probably just that Nintendo bias from when I was a kid. You know what? Still it's carried the, with me. It's the, I'm the wrong kind of player for it. This is for people who love beat em ups and want to really get into one that has some stuff to dig into. Suck Not who want to get pizza grease on their fingers and, and drink two to four beers and, and be stupid. Those are Genesis owners. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> Old habits. Oh, God. So I guess this brings us to the final game we played, which is the return of Mike Mike Hager's Final Fight 3. Final Fight 3. The finalist. Which this is an interesting game because it comes out in 1996. This is pretty late. This is PlayStation's already out. The N64 is about to be released. This is like late in the 16-bit era. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I went back and kind of just saw, you know, because I remember I loved this game again, playing with my cousin. I did never bought it. though. We'd always rent it, which is probably one of the reasons that we we liked it because right. it is it is quite short. And you you know you can see at that era that okay the the genre is feeling a little long in the tooth maybe. And you can see how you know people might think it feels repetitive that it doesn't give you enough value. Uh, but for what this game is, I still have a blast playing Final Fight Three. All killer, no filler. Again, you've you've already done your ode to Hagar. He is so fun to play. I was so happy that. This game had a girl character in it <laughs> because you were so usually in games, I usually pick the woman, mm-hmm. not in this game. This game, you need Hagger. And I was so worried that you're, of course, you want, you're going to want to pick Hagger, right? But you're like, no, I'll give, I'll give the woman a try. I forced myself to diversify to, you know, like a big Hollywood studio. I said, let's give the woman a try. Um, so big I- mistake, buddy. Hagger, <laughs> Hagger in this game, he's just so much fun. His... You were a beast with Hagar. His throws, when you grab a character, so you can just grab a character. And the grabbing in this game, the grabbing in this game and uh, Streets of Rage are both quite good. I found it a little bit, um, I don't know, it was a little bit finicky in Turtles in Time. But in this game, you know, you can, when you walk close enough to an enemy, you just kind of 
get into a grapple with them. And it, I don't know, the timing of that just feels real good, especially in this game. You know, every time I wanted to grab, I grab a guy. When you're Hagger and you grab a guy, you can jump up within the air and do a spinning pile driver to them. You can move while you're spinning in the air, doing the pile driver to land on other enemies. If you get them from behind, you can jump up and give them a German suplex. This is the most like your wrestler childhood coming to life. This He's is like- just a beast. He is so <laughs> much fun to play. You just want the crowds. You just want to wreck the crowds. You just like, yeah, you just it's ask- a Muso game at that point. Yeah, like- <laughs> you're, just, you're just asking for the enemies to come to you because you, you just want to you just want to pommel them. He's got so in this game, they've added kind of a run. So if you double tap forward, uh, Streets of Rage also had this, you kind of get into a run. And with Hagger, he has this clothesline. And it's this satisfying like three hit combo to do it. And it just feels like and you hear that crunch and sound they go flying and yeah. it's like you feel the resistance as you're like it's just like flesh on flesh <laughs> just these like big beefy boys slapping each other it's amazing hagar rules so yeah like you Still want you want multiple hagars yeah i mean I the was, other characters are actually pretty fun too yeah i wasn't actually mad to be playing as uh lucia um who i played in as as this one um she She's just like a more fun to play Blaze, honestly. Like she's she's super fast. She's really acrobatic. She's way more varied than Blaze. She's also like more agile. Her her especially her her aerial mobility is much better. Mm-hmm. Um I found her more consistent of a play, uh, with you know, stronger throat. Like I just I really, I really had a fun time being her. She has a great uh semi chunly kind of kick that you can use to mess mm-hmm. up guys off screen feels good um and we still have the return of a highly stupid main plot which is basically the first one again it's just like different gang though there's more gangs guys because of power vacuum yeah mag gear gang was defeated and created a power vacuum writers love a power vacuum that's the answer to every plot problem <laughs> how do we have another problem here a uh, power vacuum <laughs> Uh, but this, but Final Fight Three also does a few things differently, and you can see that it's trying to you know advance the genre. Maybe uncertain how in terms of the actual gameplay, you've got your your normal moves, you've got your kind of variety of, of combos. But this game has legit Street Fighter esque. I mean, Capcom also develops this game, but the Street Fighter esque button inputs that you can do to unleash special moves. Yep, like you know quarter circle button presses, or you know moves that are very much aligned with the types of moves you do in Street Fighter. So again, trying to incorporate more of the fighting game mm-hmm. elements into it. You don't have to really engage with those systems if you don't want to, but it, it seems like it's, it almost seems like, okay, we'll try this to get people who really like fighting games back into beat-em-ups. You know, it, it almost seems like a half-hearted, half-hearted effort. Right. A cool thing this does, though, is there are branching paths. There are a few uh, places where you can uh, take different routes, so it does encourage some kind of replayability. The one is really cool. You're kind of just going through and... You're just fighting through... Um, like a car dealership, right? Yeah. And, you know, nothing is really signals being any any different than any other levels. But this one, there's a there's a there's like a, a bus stop and you just see the sign there. And, you know, these these environments are quite destructible, which is, again... Which is so fun thing, also. Again, a thing I really love about beat-em-ups when you can throw enemies into the environments and have them break things. This, you can you can grab them and with Hagger because you can move when you're holding the enemies. You can go and, you know, smash them into the glass. Uh, <laughs> And in this case, you know, you can suplex them and they can fly into the the sign for the bus stop and it'll break, uh, which is what we did when we played. And, you know, you just keep going through the level. It's very easy to destroy yeah. everything. <laughs> in this case, though, if you don't destroy the bu- the sign for the bus stop, the bus will arrive 
and then pick you up and then bring you down a different branching path. I love that Mayor Mike Hager is like out there fighting dudes, throwing them around, destroying this car dealership. And then the bus comes and he's like, oh, that's me. And like gets on the (laughs) bus and just like takes it elsewhere to continue fighting. Like it's so, so cool. And like the moments when you realize you have to be careful about something in the environment are also really fun because it's sort of just it's one extra little wrinkle in your general desire to smash everything all the time, which is sort of the mode you're in elsewhere. So, yeah, this is so cool. Another thing that Final Fight did, I mean, Double Dragon also did this, and maybe this is where my love of this began. Uh, And maybe it's one of the reasons that I don't necessarily love Simpsons and Turtles in Time as much, because those games, because they're licensed, you kind of know the enemies you're fighting. These games, this is very important for beat-em-ups, incredibly important for me. The enemies need to have names. I need to know the name of the guy I'm beating up. Is this a Fat Jack or an Arby? I need to know. Very, very important. And I think no game does names better than Final Fight. Because they're just, you just got like Ray, Billy, Dirk, May, Fritz, (laughs) Dave. Just Just like, oh, that's Dave. But then, but then when you got the big guys, they're Arby or Fat Jack. Yeah, well, listen. (laughs) Which is great. But you've got also the, the best ones of all. Andor. Yes. The Andor family of enemies. They're clearly Andre the Giant. Yeah. Down to his costume and everything. Just very clearly Andre the Giant. Just these huge giant characters, Andor. And you just and like I just remember as a kid just knowing like seeing them was like that's you just right. want to say, you right. know, that's Andor. Right. It's so satisfying. Final <laughs> Fight 3 has these little shitheads named Joe. And my cousin I would play with was also named Joe. Much less of a shithead than these guys. These are just little, <laughs> they're so tiny. They got this like long, they wear gas masks with this like long red hair at the back. They do these little flips. They do little somersaults. They're really hard to grab. You just want to grab them. You just want to grab Miss Hager. That's what Mike wants to do. Yeah. And just pile drive them through the floor, but they're hard to get. They're just like these little flies on you. <laughs> you just want to crush the Joes. You know who can handle Joes really well? Lucia. That's where you need that accuracy. You need that speed. Yeah. And see, I mean, even the fact that we're talking about this of like what your strengths yeah. were versus what my strengths were against these characters who we can name, I think it shows that, uh, you know, the, the strength of this type of game still. I have to agree. But yeah, I want my dream. I know um, the Streets of Rage 4 just came out, which I think we were going to play. Yeah. Um, I think they use the old enemy types. I, I want a game where I want every enemy to have its own unique name. I want to know his name. I want to know if he's married. I want to know <laughs> how many kids he's leaving behind. Once <laughs> I suplex him through the through the glass. Who owns this car dealership? <laughs> yeah, it just fleshes out the world. And I just want to know the names of the of these punks I'm beating up. Honestly, I get it. Yeah, I I know you get it because when you played as Hagar, you were scary. You were like Wait, what? You were like in character the whole time. I'm glad you didn't choose him for three when we played. Final Fight 1, you were just Hagar. You became Hagar. I love to be a big boy. I just want to be enormous. There are things that came out of your mouth that I couldn't believe. At one point, because you know there are often um, women enemies. Yeah. And one, the first one in Final Fight appears on the screen from Michelle. This is not me. From <laughs> Michelle. Don't think I won't hit a woman. <laughs> yeah. 
Holy <laughs> shit. Brief, a brief flash of like what would what would this huge beefy like you know high mask dude think about think about hitting this like sexy dominatrix woman and then i was like no he wouldn't hesitate my god <laughs> so after playing all these games now is there are there a few things that you can point to as being able to say okay this is what i this is specifically what I want from a beat-em-up. This is what differentiates a beat-em-up that you're going to enjoy from one you're not going to enjoy, if not a good one from a bad one. I want to love my character immediately. <laughs> um, I want to really, I want to have great art and music. Um, I I want to, I want to be almost immediately at the level where I feel like I have basic control over my character, but Every once in a while, I can execute one of their special extra things and feel mm-hmm. good about myself. That's really the zone. For me, I want to still be able to play this game and hang out when I've, again, two to four beers. Um, I think I I want, I want those little extra things, those little extra beats, those flourishes, the surprise of being at Disneyland, of falling in a in a manhole. Um, all these all these little extra things, the bus stop that um these these small add-on things that actually make the entire experience. Um and mostly I I just want to I don't know, it, there's something about these games that is um is almost environmental for me, not in interior to the game, not like the game environment, but I want the game to feel like a fun environmental part of what I'm really doing, which is spending time hanging out with someone and and enjoying being together and like shooting the shit, but also while doing something, you know, um, and, and having a chill, good time. Those, that's my true desire from a beat em up. See, I think this is so interesting. I think we can almost use this to understand more about your, your taste, because like, as you mentioned, you didn't really mention anything about the gameplay. Oh no, I don't really care. Right? And like with beat em ups, I think, you know, people who really like them and, and, you know, I, I love everything you talked about them too. I think I'm somewhere in the middle between these two extremes, but you know, a lot of people, want something that's you know more than button mashing where you're able to build a rhythm where you know you can where there's a distinction between characters and you can really like learn a character and master a character and learn their specific rhythms uh where the game combines enemies in interesting ways where each enemy has a different function mm-hmm. how the enemies can throw you off your combos you know and how you have to manage those crowds in really um increasingly difficult and diverse ways and you know you mentioned none of that so what's really interesting, right, is that Final Fight 3 is kind of the swan song of the beat-em-up as we know it, kind of the 2D beat-em-up. And they never really emerge in this form again in 3D, but they become they become kind of absorbed into the character action game. Oh, right. Right. So I think like the closest thing you've played to this is probably God of War, which is True. kind of where the beat-em-up went, or you know, into the combat of ya- the Yakuza games. That's mm-hmm. kind of where the the beat-em-up resides or in other action platformers like uh you know a double may cry a bayonetta those series take those pleasures of the beat em up but are so much about the rhythm of the combat right which is the stuff that you you know you didn't really care so much about like i remember in god of war you said you know it felt great but that like it felt fine but that wasn't what yeah. you were there for yeah i mean i think those what you're just describing to at least to my knowledge are single player experiences this is yeah i want to get to this too like imagine if there was a multiplayer god of war 
that would probably be way more fun than the God of War that that <laughs> I played. Like honestly, I think that would be probably more fun. And I think um, some of what was fun about how we did God of War is that every once in a while we did hand off the controller, which is sort of the next best thing. Um, but I, yeah, I think it's the difference to me. Like when I'm when I'm single player playing mm-hmm. something. I want to be all the way in. That's mm-hmm. when I want to have that that attention and that finesse. It's very much about this is what I mean when these I want these games to be part of an environment. Um uh, you know, I think if you're I think you design very differently based on whether you're imagining a player, yeah, like I said, eating pizza with one hand um or right. you know, digging into this. And I know there are tons of people who play beat 'em up solo for and and very very happily, but I think they they are probably they probably have the inverse taste of of me, and um, they're just getting a a completely different uh, joy out of it than I got. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to you know this lockdown being over, and then going and like spending time with my brothers and you and the four of us playing Streets of Rage four with some pizza. That'll be on so fun. A moderate difficulty level, ideally with friendly fire off. Yeah, <laughs> if possible. <laughs> so do you have any final thoughts on this final fight? I do. And the other games. Uh, I just want to shout out um, what I think is the best elevator sequence. Okay. Of all of them. Yeah, there were you played through probably six or seven because some of these games had multiple elevator sequences. Final fight one. Final fight one. Yeah, it has an elevator sequence. It's sort of open air. You're riding up a scaffold thing up the outside of a um, like a steel girders building that's under construction. And as you're going up, you know, guys are like sitting on the girders eating their lunch and they like hop off and come to fight you. There's like uh, makes much more sense than just dropping from the ceiling. Yeah, it actually it does actually make sense. There's guys like there's a ladder that goes the whole way up. And so you'll catch up to guys who were climbing up the ladder who will come get you. This is something I actually love in all of these games that you just reminded me of. That sometimes you, when you like, you're walking from left to right, and you just see like guys just chilling, yeah, like, just waiting in the you. background. They're yeah. like sitting on a bench. Sometimes or, like, they'll even watch you fight a few yeah. other guys first Chatting. before they get in the. Mix. They're like, oh, it's my turn now. All right, <laughs> I get my ass kicked by Hagar. Yeah, and they do. <laughs> Anything else? Yeah, I love the element of these games that feels like. A, a sort of love letter to a specific idea of what a city is. Like they all are city-based games and they're all like, they have this in common, this sort of gritty, like New York in the 70s kind of kind of vibe to them um, that I love. I just love cities as spaces and I love uh, pop culture and genre-based imaginings of what what is a beat-em-up city like? What is a noir city like? You know, that sort of thing. I, I, I love that that's present in in all of these. Cool. Anything else? Yeah. It breaks my heart to say it, but Mike Hager clearly sucks as a mayor. (laughs) (laughs) He stays mayor through several gang transfers of power that are just destroying the city. His response to it is to go wreck everyone's car dealership on the way to, to fighting these guys, fist fighting these guys personally. And also, especially in Final Fight 3, the gang is just full of freaks there's like basically oh. mutants and like people who are just like not not normal human and forms just big bone in the city like something not right is happening and i'm just saying hagar has been at the top through all of it so i th- you know i really i you know how i feel about him as 
a street fighter. Do you think he's just fighting the symptom and he should take a good look in the mirror? That's what I always think. Um, but yeah, I mean, he just a lack of understanding of how, you know, systemic issues impact, you know, the manifestation of, of crime at a, at a street level and a real, you know, lack of a lack of a broad vision for how to increase social infrastructure to to uh, eliminate some of the violence and interrupt those those negative cycles that that people can really get stuck in. Uh, so that's a little disappointing to see from from Mike Hager, but eager to see what he does with his fourth term. <laughs> Anything else? No, I think that's it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, as always, if you enjoyed it, please help us out by rating and reviewing us on whatever platform you listen to us on. We are on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on everything. If you would like more information about this episode or the the podcast in general, you can visit us at neverwasagamer.com or follow us on Twitter at neverwasagamer. Yeah, thanks so much for listening. We're excited to start our next arc, which puts Michelle kind of back in her wheelhouse because we're yes. going to be playing some classic indies. Michelle plays a lot of indie games, but kind of missed the indie boom from, you know, say 2008 through 2012. So we're going to be playing some some great games from there. We're going to be starting with Bastion, a game by Supergiant Games, a studio that she knows and loves. So give her give her a little treat after I am so excited after those David about Cages this. and the and the Kratos and the crashes. I have earned this. I deserve it. I'm going to relish every <laughs> moment. Yeah. So uh, Michelle's off to play, and we'll see you next time after Michelle completes Bastion and learns that having your every failure narrated in detail is an essential part being a gamer.